You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and we're here today with Unter, a local New York Brooklyn party crew. Uh, we're going to have DJ sets from their resident DJs, starting with Mary Yuzovska, and Volvox is going to play for the second half of the show, and we're going to have a roundtable discussion in the middle with both resident DJs and uh, party producer, Seva Granik. Um, this is our only New York show of the summer because I'm in Michigan for most of the summer and we're broadcasting from Detroit. So it's nice to be home for a minute and have Unter in the studio. And now we're going to get straight into the mix with Mary Yuzovska. Enjoy. We'll be back for the interview in 45 minutes or so. This is The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Thank you. 
listening to Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We're just getting out of the mix with Mary Uzovska. Thank Hi. you for the set. That was Thank very, you. very nice. Um, and we also have Volvox, who will be up next, and Sevagranic in the studio here for, uh, I guess we'll get into a bit of a roundtable discussion. But I wanted to ask you, Mary, a few questions myself. I, it's just telling people about your background and whatnot. So you, you have a background in ballet, classical music, and piano. Yes. yes. Um, and at what point did you, at what point and why did you move from that to techno? <laughs> I always thought that, and I was always answering this question saying that I started to go out and um, I met certain people that inspired me and this is how it all started. And a couple weeks ago I had a chat with my friend and we were super close when I was like 12, 13. And she said, no, it's not true. Are you crazy? You don't remember? You were raving about becoming a DJ at the age of 12, which I couldn't remember at all, but she refreshed my memory. There was a radio station in Russia in the 90s. Uh, it was like a FM radio station and we were all obviously recording the tapes. Yeah. And uh, this radio station, they had all sorts of electronic music. They had trance, hardcore, techno, house, ambient, everything that was existing at that moment. And it was obviously revolutionary for all of us. And um, of course, I wasn't going out at, when I was 12. But I was listening to that radio station and imagining that when I'll grow up, I'll be working on that radio station, playing records and talking about records. So for me, DJ at that moment was more like a radio host, but I didn't want to work on any other radio stations. I wanted to play right. electronic music on the radio. So, but I completely forgot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, mo many, many DJs I know have a background in radio, doing college radio or something, myself included, and definitely inspired by I mean, radio played a huge role in my childhood. I think for people kind of our generation, that's, I don't know, a thing that doesn't exist much anymore. No, kids still listen to the radio. <laughs> unfortunately, when I grew up, this radio station didn't exist anymore. So I had to start playing in the clubs. I had no other chance, option. So did you start playing out when you were in Russia? Yes, I started playing about 10 years ago, but I was collecting records for three or four years before then. I just didn't know where it will take me and then yeah I started playing and uh, I started even traveling around Russia with gigs which is usually the next step for a DJ from Moscow you play locally then you start playing nationally yeah and then I moved to Berlin and lived a few years there and now I'm here <laughs> what inspired the move to Berlin was that in pursuit of Techno and DJing? Techno and DJing and also I wasn't really a fan of the political situation in Russia at that moment. So it, it was all together. <laughs> and now you're a full citizen of the United States, right? I'm a permanent resident. Permanent resident. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Perhaps. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, a lot of people are trying to get out of the United States at this point. Um, I wanted to ask you about the differences in the in the scenes in these places where you've lived in, like, uh, Russia and Berlin and New York, like, differences between, say, like, Arma 17, Berghain, Winter, mm -hmm. also maybe similarities, or, like, what, what do you like better about being in New York? If you do like New York better, I don't know <laughs> where you're happiest. 
it's a love-hate relationship with New York, obviously. Sometimes I hate it, sometimes I love it a lot. Um, I wouldn't compare the scenes because it's been ages since the last time I played in Russia and since the last time I went to Russia. So I hear different stories and I think that maybe what I know about Russian scene is very uh, old information. Probably many things have changed. I feel, and maybe I'm wrong, that New York has developed a lot. I moved here four years ago and I felt like there's nothing going on here. There's very few options and very few parties. And um, comparing to Berlin, it seemed a little yeah. bit miserable. But now I feel like we have a lot going on every weekend. There are some guests from other countries and people are more excited to educate themselves about electronic music, which was, in my opinion, missing when I just moved here. Yeah. And uh, maybe since people are just getting excited about it, it's it feels for me, again, maybe it's not how it is, but for me it feels a little bit fresher here than in Berlin. Yeah, I in mean, Berlin, it's some sort of institution for like 20 years already, and yeah, people tend to take it for granted. I I personally like playing in places where things are newer, and I've heard this from a lot of DJs because you go and play Berghain, it's amazing. To school in Amsterdam, like these places, you go, you play, the party's amazing, but you completely expect it to be amazing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, it doesn't surprise me, but then when you play somewhere where it's fresher and you don't know what's going to happen and people are newer to it, they're more excited about it. It's, I don't know, it's, it's exciting and successful on like a whole, a whole other level. That's more exciting to me personally. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the one thing about Berlin, which I preferred more that they do read technical writer there and here there are very few promoters that actually pay attention to it and tons of promoters just don't care god promoters are jerks <laughs> the worst no but it, but it, it is true no no because you're, you're, you're a vinyl only DJ yeah, so and, and I, I have a lot of I have a booking agency and some vinyl only DJ much a lot of experience with that over the years and it's I mean it's a source of frustration that's actually pushed many vinyl DJs to move to the CDJs because of exactly this um, showing up at a gig Maybe they did read the technical writer. Maybe there are turntables there, but are they working? Are exactly. they grounded? Um, are the needles skipping? It's a, it's an issue. And I feel like in Berlin, they're just more attentive to that. But it's definitely changing here as well, because again, when I moved here four years ago, I felt like I should bring the monitors with me and the turntables. <laughs> yeah, New York has thrown up its game. And now it's so much better. And actually for the past four gigs, in a row, everything was perfect. So um, I, I really see New York improving at, at this point. Yeah. So o over the course of your stay in New York here, you have you have two residencies in New York at this point. Do you want to talk about those at all? Uh, well, well, we're obviously going to talk about Unter. What's what's Afadik? What is? Um, it's more of a deeper kind of um, approach to techno music. Uh, we had guests like Stephanie Sykes, Edit Select. Um, so it's more on the trippier side, which okay. is um, which I find very nice because there's not a lot of this type of music in US today. Yeah, so I'm I'm glad there's a party that can introduce the crowd to this type of sound. Cool. And finally, um, well, let's talk about your. You mentioned to me that you have an upcoming record label. Yes. Shout that out. That's the most exciting news for me for sure. Um, yeah, the record label is called Monday Off. 
and uh, for the past year I was putting together the first release. It's gonna be from New Jersey-based producer Chansky. Oh yeah, I know Chansky. It's also an aphotic resident, so everything comes together. And um, yeah, and it's gonna include two tracks from Tim and one uh, remix from Michal Wolski, which is a very strong producer from Poland and also sound engineer. Yeah, he's done some stuff on uh, Marco Shuttle's label. Some really nice records. He's he's great. I love his production, and uh, I'm super happy with the remix that he made for us. The record should be, and this is the very first record, so I'm very nervous and I can't sleep at night. But the first record should be out this summer. I already have the test pressing, which I'm playing everywhere. Okay, if the test pressing sounds good, you're yes, but you know, still. that's like half the battle right there. Once <laughs> you get a good test pressing, you can rest yes. a little easy. And the second release is going to be various artists. It's going to be Corey James, Saramimi, Arthur Kimsky, and uh, Chansky again. Okay. If everything goes well, the record should be out this year as well. But good luck with it. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> and um, now, I guess let's talk about winter that's what brought us all here isn't it um seva do you want to say hi so we know hi <laughs> shout out to the kids at home hey. <laughs> <laughs> that's seva granik who is one of the producers of the party and we have volvox here as well hi resident guys. dj um i say producer but i know i've talked to you a lot about the importance of the community in winter and how i think you i know that you don't want to take full credit for what's happening there at all. So maybe you want to talk about that a little bit, just the importance of uh, the community around the party and how they like directly and indirectly contribute to the success and just the hard work of throwing a party in New York City. Um, I don't want to take the credit. The credit doesn't belong to me. It's a huge group of people um, structured really tightly. There is a core group of kids who are managerial, curatorial, editorial, art direction, um, booking, uh, strategy, future strategy, what to do with ourselves um, in the next few months, and next few years. Um, that tight group of kids is about five to seven people. Bunch of queer kids actually, um, super committed, very excited about the party, um, very committed to the ideas that are behind the party. Outside of that group, there is a larger family, unter family of people, staff, talent um, and that group ranges anywhere from 30 to 40 people depending on the party which is incredible that's a lot of people yeah we're super proud of the fact that we can actually support these people monthly and to a lot of these people um, the income generated from the party actually means a lot which is really good for us um, very proud of that um, those people are also divided into overlapping crews like bar door, security, um, cleanup crew, sound, effects, and effects controls. Um, am I forgetting anyone? Who else is there? Uh, lighting finances, or is lighting light, effects? Yeah, uh, install crews and um, it's... It, sound this, people. Definitely sound people, yeah. There's a sound crew. So it's a small community of kids that, adults really, <laughs> <laughs> that are all friends, um, have come together in a really great way. And uh, the party is in many ways kind of a composite of their labor and their passions and their ideas of what it should be. It's not, yeah, I really, I'm not really into the idea of um, 
party being represented as my thing. It's really not. I could not. No one could really do it by themselves. It, it's a, at this point, it's far beyond that. It's a huge community affair. So and so, how how long has Unter been operating now? Two years, just about. And you guys, it started um, pretty small. It was, yeah, it was me and this other guy named Eric Sarniak, who's a Polish DJ and producer, whose idea actually was to throw Unter and who named it Unter. He named it Unter because we found a spot under a tiny little basement um, under a coffee shop in Bushwick, which is why it's called Unter, because it's Unter. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a tiny little party. The idea was Eric was looking for bookings, DJ bookings, because he's a DJ. Um, and as some of us will know, the best way to get booked in this town is just to throw a party. Yeah, Book yourself. just do it yourself. Right. I mean, that's part of the reason I started the bunker. I kind of got sick of asking guys getting Other gigs, but it gets you, draining yeah. to just, it's like, if you want to do something, just do it. Do Book it. yourself. <laughs> Book other kids in town. Suddenly, boom, you're a DJ. Yeah, yeah. same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a brilliant move. Uh, we decided to throw this party. Um, found a sweet spot. It was a really small, tiny little cramped space, but quite perfect for the idea. Um, did this party. It was a huge success, um, I think in large part owing to um, the bookings, the idea behind the party, also the fact that we were able to grab Volvox for the first for the first show, right? <laughs> uh, which was a kind of, in retrospect, perfect decision, but at the time wasn't really, it really seemed a weird decision because I had never seen her play techno in my life. She was primarily um, acid and electro DJ around town. But something, somehow I felt that that was gonna be the right thing to do, that she could pull it off, do some hard techno. Yeah, that was interesting for me because I actually wasn't really playing hard techno. Um, but Seva came to me and he was like, listen, we have this like new party concept that we want to try. Are you, do you want to do this? And I was like, hmm, yeah, that sounds good. And like I started collecting in kind of like a new direction. Um, and it's funny because as soon as I played that first Unter, everybody, it was so successful that it basically like redefined what I did. For right. in everyone's mind, you know, all of a sudden I went from being an acid DJ to being a techno DJ and um, like literally overnight, everyone just kind of assumed that that was what I did now, um, which was cool. You know, I mean, I'm always interested in adding new like flavors and styles to what I do. You know, something that I really focus on as a DJ is to have um, a lot of different settings and to be like available and like able to play kind of different styles. And so this was really um, fun and exciting for me. It also kind of took me back to kind of my earliest days um, as like an industrial DJ because this all this industrial techno was coming back and so I kind of just fell right into that right. and um, it just felt really natural. Um, yeah, and not, I mean not, I don't know at what point you guys were with Unter when we did the first collaborative, hour the party. first 36 hour party, <laughs> oh my God. Market Hotel. I mean, I remember the idea was that we had somehow booked consecutive nights at Market Hotel without realizing we had done it. And then I said, why don't we just make this one long party kind of seriously, but mostly as a joke, because I figured it was just impossible. And you were like, I love it. Let's do it. And I was like, Todd, 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 who runs Market Hotel, is like, he'll never, ever ever let us throw a 36 hour party <laughs> and then we had the initial meeting with todd and he was just like this sounds great let's yeah. do it 
I know for people in Germany and in Europe, this doesn't sound like much at all because yeah. this happens every day. It's called this a weekender. This is extremely atypical for United States. I have never been to a 36-hour party here ever or heard of one. I don't. I wouldn't say it doesn't happen. Ever, I mean, maybe in like a like, festival seems like situation, very, but like yeah. typical club nights, and certainly not in this era of New York City clubbing. No, you know, like maybe we're talking about going back like 20 years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> we years. we did these 18-hour Blood and Thunder New Year's Eve parties in like the mid late 2000s, and I remember that seeming absolutely insane. Like people thought we were joking. Like you're not gonna 18 hours. Like that's that's too why? long you can't yeah, why <laughs> it's like why is like because why not and those really worked and then i feel like that led to an era of like kind of resolute after hours and some things where we went from doing a couple 18 hour kind of weekender things a year to that becoming somewhat of the norm in new york but not 36 was really like going multiple nights was i think pretty unprecedented and i feel like that really kind of solidified the community as well it really gave everyone something to be in new york something to be really excited about the whole idea of the 36 hour party i remember like little like side intermissions started showing up and everybody was planning about how they were going to make it through 36 hours yeah. or if they were going to stay the whole time so i feel like the, those bunker hunter parties were really kind of instrumental i feel like in really kind of rallying a community around this whole idea and around Unter and around yeah. just this whole new wave of techno in New yeah. York. And I agree and I feel like things are usually feel fright not totally fractured, but there's a lot of like fracturing in the scenes and people are go where their friends go and just go to certain parties. And that first 36 hour one in particular just felt like one of those things that everybody was going to. Everybody came. Everybody was excited about it and it was two crews coming together, which also that you maybe see a little more of now, but you don't, with all the people throwing parties in New York, you don't see that a lot, I think. And I think people found that interesting as well. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of how we all not how we met, but we started working together. How we became family. Yeah, yeah. staying up for 40 hours straight <laughs> yeah. was great. Because one time you and... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember my sleep breaks that weekend. I just couldn't sleep. Like, I, like there's... I know I'm, going on. Yeah, I know sleep. I'm technically not responsible for anything for the next eight hours, but... Why would I like, leave? <laughs> well, I wanted to leave, but I couldn't sleep. I couldn't, like, put my... Like, I couldn't turn the adrenaline off to... Yeah to sleep so yeah i didn't i don't know that i really slept that weekend that was fun <laughs> <laughs> and we should do it again sometime if we ever market hotel a, comes a, back if, if we have a venue where we can yeah. actually do it that's that's the biggest people perennial always, new york yeah, question people ask me that like every week when are you guys going to do that again like do you happen to own a legal venue where we could do that because you obviously can't throw a 36 hour party in an illegal space no. i mean that's <laughs> so another question i get asked all the time and you guys can choose how to answer this is how do i get into this under thing how do i how do i how do i become a part of this community right um or should i okay i'll try so that's tough i'm gonna be honest that's gonna be really hard because capacity is limited and we have more interest than actual capacity to right. provide kids with um, going to the party. Um, um, first and foremost, we owe capacity to our most ardent fans and core fans who have been there from the beginning. 
And that usually just tends to be this um, loose community of queer kids um, whom we try to do our best to discount the tickets for because a lot of these people don't have a whole lot of money to spend on parties and these parties are really expensive as you know yeah um, also it's difficult for us to maintain order at these parties and um, an atmosphere of mutual respect where our most ardent core fans will feel com comfortable and safe so it is for that reason that we also um, restrict access to the party because um, allowing persons whom we don't know raises the risk of incidents at the party. Um, harassment, fights, um, people blacking out, passing out, that's just a liability we don't really want. Um, people whom we know or people who are known by people whom we know, we can sort of trust because they are exper either experienced partiers or we can communicate with them on a level where they will understand and listen to us. But it's just, it's really difficult for us to uh, widen our promo. And right. I hope that people who are listening to us will understand our position um, as much as we'd love to open up the doors for everyone. We're just, we're constrained by um, what's happening in the city, what's happening to the party, uh, what's happening and what should not be happening to our guests. Um, our guests' safety and comfort is um, our biggest priority. Yeah, well, you mentioned safe and safety several times there. And one of the things I've been most impressed with you, your, you and the crew as event producers is uh, the importance you put on safe spaces in like every sense of the word, uh, which I think, especially in a post ghost ship environment is something we all need to be aware of so i just wanted to applaud you all for that for creating creating a space that feels safe and cool but is still actually physically safe yeah has exits all of these things is like a really 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 hard thing to pull off and most of the very safe you know the known legal safe spaces in new york like it just uh it loses something yeah that's also a group effort um it's a lot of yeah. safety and security teams that are playing clothes that are running around making sure that kids aren't going completely crazy um door door team is the most important team uh, i don't mean to disrespect the other teams but it is <laughs> definitely um the most difficult job at the party is to be at the door um, most psychologically straining, daunting. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's frightening. That door is the worst. Um, yeah. Shout out to our door people. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a huge crew effort. Everyone on the team is keeping their eyes out to make sure that everyone's cool, everyone's comfortable, everyone's safe. And it takes a lot. But again, it's um, team effort. Yeah. So before we cut too much into your set here, Ari, I just wanted, we haven't, I haven't asked really any questions specifically about you, but there's some really interesting things happening with you. You were mentioning before the show that the last time you were on Red Bull Radio was in May last year during their festival. Yeah, that's so right. So maybe the easiest way to like get this done quickly would just be for you to tell it, like, tell us what's happened to you in the last year and how I your mean, life the last has changed. Year has been crazy. I mean, actually, starting kind of with that Red Bull Radio and the Technopolis party, and then the, the Boiler Room that all kind of happened around the same time. Um, my DJ career, as like an, on the international level, just really took off. 
And um, since then, I've toured Europe multiple times. I've played at Panorama Bar and Berghain, um, which has been kind of just like my ultimate goals as a DJ. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now, you know, I'm kind of looking at myself and being like, okay, well, what's next? Like, we now we have to set out like the next year or two years or five years or forever <laughs> to kind of like keep this ball rolling. Um, it's been really exciting and I'm now going into a really, really big summer where I have five festival bookings with uh, in Europe. I've never even been to a festival in Europe. Yeah, like I've only basically gone to Detroit Movement, so um, which is like way smaller in every way. So I'm just, I'm really excited. Um, I feel like actually parties like Unter prepare me like musically to play yeah, um, sure. for this many people. And, you know, I've been lucky to have a few other experiences such as Berghain and also playing at Warehouse Elementen Strat in Amsterdam for New Year's that have kind of like prepped me for the idea of playing to like many multiple thousands of people. Um, so I feel like I'm kind of ready, but I also like have no idea what's going to happen. So I'm pretty excited for that. And uh, I'll just be on tour in Europe from mid-July into September. Oh, wow. Are you just going to stay over there the whole time? Yeah. Typically, when I go on tour, I just am based in Berlin. Um, and then I'll fly out from there because just coming back and forth and like one-off gigs, like it's it's it really wastes a lot of money on flights and it's really exhausting for me um, to be flying everywhere all the time. So I'd much rather be based there and then just pop in and out like one hour, two hour flights all over Europe. Um, so kind of what's happening is my year gets broken up a little bit now where it's like typically like January, I might have like New Year's gigs, February, I'm in Brazil for the whole month. March, I'm back in New York, April maybe in Europe, May back in the US for movement and such. And then kind of getting into like late spring and summer, I'll typically just be based in Europe. Cool. So aside from the busy touring schedule, what else do you have coming up? I know you the record label launched this year? Yeah, so we launched Jack Department as a label after doing the party at Boston Nova Civic Club for the last uh, few years. Um, so I launched that with um, my partner, John Barrera, who also does the party with me. And we right now are a digital only label, just because a lot of my focus for that was to get music out quickly. Yeah. Um, I don't have the time and I don't have like the funds to really be um, chasing vinyl pressing, although I would love to bring Jack Department onto vinyl. Um, right now, we're just focused on getting um, great music out right away. So we're doing digital only. Um, I do all the art, the photography for the label, graphic design. So it's also a really great um, visual outlet for me. Oh, cool. Very cool. I didn't realize that. Um, should we get it? We have about 45 minutes left here. I feel like we should get all into right. your DJ Sounds set. Good. Yeah. So uh, we've been here with Unter. You're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. And we're going to get into... Uh, Fullbox is going to close out the show with a DJ set. You're listening to Red Bull Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We're coming to a close here. Great set from Volvox. We've been in the mix with her for the past 45 minutes. Thanks to everybody from Unter for joining us. Um, stay tuned for the next show, which is a new mix from Ron Morelli of Lies. And we'll be back on the air with The Bunker New York show in two weeks, live from Detroit with Derek Plazleko on his birthday. And uh, throughout the month of July and August, we'll be broadcasting all of our shows from Detroit. Uh, one more shout out. We're doing the Bunker Gay Pride Party next Saturday, June 24th at Output. Uh, on the lineup, we have Arrows, Kasem Moss, Jason Kendig, Mike Servito, Justin Cudmore, Carlos Suffrant, Eris Drew, and Lauren Flax. More info on that at thebunkerny.com. You've been listening to The Bunker New York on Rebel Radio.